Hi, I'm Nir Ayal, and this is the Near and Far podcast. This podcast is about business, behavior, and the brain. On this show, I do a few things. I read quick articles I've written about topics shaping your behavior. I interview authors of books I enjoy, and from time to time, I devote episodes to answering your questions. If you want to ask me a question, visit the podcast page on iTunes, go to ratings and reviews, and ask me a question by leaving a review. I promise to read it and possibly include your question in a future episode, so please, ask me anything. Now, enjoy the episode, and for more, you can always visit me at nearandfar.com. How to Disarm Internal Triggers and Improve Focus by Nir Eyal Use this four-step method to handle unwanted thoughts that can derail your focus. While we can't control the feelings and thoughts that pop into our head, we can control what we do with them. Research of smoking cessation programs performed by Dr. Jonathan Bricker of the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center suggests we shouldn't keep telling ourselves to stop thinking about an urge. Instead, we must learn better ways to cope. The same applies to our distractions like checking our phones too much, eating junk food, or excessive shopping. Rather than trying to fight the urge, we need new methods to handle intrusive thoughts. The following four steps help us do just that. Step one, look for the discomfort that precedes the distraction, focusing in on the internal trigger. A common problem I have while writing is the urge to just Google something. It's easy to justify this bad habit as doing some research, but deep down I know it's often just a diversion from difficult work. Bricker advises focusing on the internal trigger that precedes the unwanted behavior, like you're feeling anxious, having a craving, feeling restless, or thinking you're incompetent. Step two, write down the trigger. Dr. Bricker advises writing down the trigger, whether or not you subsequently give in to the distraction. He recommends noting the time of day and what you were doing. In addition, it's important to note how you felt when you noticed the internal trigger that led to the distracting behavior as soon as you are aware of it, because it's easier at that point to remember how you felt. According to Bricker, while people can easily identify the external trigger, it takes some time and trials to begin noticing those all-important inside triggers. He recommends discussing the urge as if it were an observer, telling yourself something like, I'm feeling that tension in my chest right now. And there I go, trying to reach for my iPhone. The better we are at noticing the behavior, the better we'll be at managing it over time. The anxiety goes away, the thought gets weaker, or is replaced by another thought. Step three, explore your sensations. Bricker then recommends getting curious about the sensation. For example, do your fingers twitch when you're about to get distracted? Do you get a flurry of butterflies in your stomach when you think about work when you're with your kids? What does it feel like when the feelings crest and then subside? Bricker encourages staying with the feeling before acting on the impulse. When similar techniques were applied in a smoking cessation study, the participants who learned to acknowledge and explore their cravings managed to quit at double the rate of those in the American Lung Association's best-performing cessation program. One of Bricker's favorite techniques is the leaves-on-a-stream method. When feeling the uncomfortable internal trigger to do something you'd rather not, imagine you are seated beside a gently flowing stream, he says. Then imagine there are leaves floating down that stream. Place each thought in your mind on each leaf. It could be a memory, a word, a worry, an image. 
and let each of those leaves float down that stream, swirling away as you sit and watch. Step four, beware of liminal moments. Liminal moments are transitions from one thing to another throughout our days. Have you ever picked up your phone while waiting for a traffic light to change, then found yourself still looking at your phone while driving? Or opened a tab on your web browser, felt annoyed by how long it took to load, and opened up another page while you waited? Or checked a social media app while walking from one meeting to the next, only to keep scrolling when you get back to your desk? There's nothing wrong with any of these actions per se. Rather, what's dangerous is that by doing them for just a quick second, we're likely to do things we later regret, like getting off track for half an hour or getting into a car accident. A technique I found particularly helpful for dealing with this distraction trap is the 10-minute rule. If I find myself wanting to check my phone as a pacification device, I tell myself it's fine to give in, but not right now. I have to wait just 10 minutes. This technique is effective at helping me deal with many potential distractions, like Googling something rather than writing, eating something unhealthy when I'm bored, or watching another episode on Netflix when I'm too tired to go to bed. This rule allows time to do what some behavioral psychologists call surfing the urge. When an urge takes hold, noticing the sensation and riding them out like a wave, neither pushing them away nor acting on them, helps us cope until the feelings subside. Surfing the urge, along with other techniques to bring attention to the craving, has been shown to reduce the number of cigarettes smokers consumed when compared to those in a control group who didn't use the technique. If we still want to perform the action after 10 minutes of urge surfing, we're free to do it, but that's rarely the case. The liminal moment has passed, and we're able to do the thing we really wanted to do. Techniques like surfing the urge and thinking about our cravings as leaves on a stream are mental skill-building exercises that can help us stop impulsively giving in to distractions. They recondition our minds to seek relief from internal triggers in a reflective rather than reactive way. As Oliver Berkman wrote in The Guardian, it's a curious truth that when you gently pay attention to negative emotions, they tend to dissipate, but positive ones expand. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Near and Far podcast. You can always find more at my blog, nearandfar.com. And don't forget, if you have a question you'd like me to explore in a future episode, leave me your question in the form of a review for the podcast on iTunes.